tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcast. There we go. Yeah. And welcome to the show. It's Tim Foyle Hat. You know who I am. You know who I'm here to do. Joining me, as always, the one and only XG in the place to be. How are you? I'm good, good. We have a busy studio <laughs> here today. Sam Scatterbrain. Uh, I want to thank Blue Chew for supporting Tim Foyle Hat. Visit bluechew.com and get your free shipment. Uh, free when you use the promo code TINFOIL. Just pay $5 shipping. That does not make any sense, but that's what they want me to say. That's blue, B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code punch drunk. Uh, I also want to thank our good friends at Lucy Gum. Lucy Gum, if you're looking for a boost of nicotine that you can enjoy Anywhere without inhaling any smoke or vapor, check out the powerful, long-lasting flavors of Lucy Gum available at lucy.com, the, dot .co. Okay, the product was designed by a team of scientists from Harvard, Stanford, and Caltech who are looking for a cleaner way to consume nicotine than smoking cigarettes or inhaling clouds of vapor. Lucy is a clean nicotine absorbed through the mouth in three delicious flavors. Just chew it, just chew it a few times and let the... Let it sit against your gums. That sounds great. Believe me, <laughs> I chew it like a regular gum first time, and the nicotine hit me hard. Hard, dog. Hard. My head was spinning. I like that. Hard nipples, head spinning, you're in good place. If you smoke, vape, chew, you should consider making the Switch to Lucy. Not only does the product give you the nicotine you want, along with great flavors, but you can literally use the product anywhere, and you, you chew gum in the office. Uh, while you're traveling on a plane, Uber, a subway, or eating subway. You can even, uh, even around people who normally would judge you. Use the promo code TINFOIL to get $10 off your first purchase. Go to lucy.co. That's lucy.co. That is the most of the business right there. <laughs> lucy.co. Who's that guy? I don't know, but he looks... I didn't touch anything. Someone is. Who's touching wire? Nobody's touching wires. You Nobody's moved your microphone. There it oh. is. Oh. There, there we go. Well, enjoy that. That was brought to you by Clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> Technical support. <laughs> we got Pack Studio. Please go check out the Patreon. It's kicking ass. The uh, conspiracies now at the Comedy Store. Everybody's enjoying it. New t-shirts are up. Go to tinfoilhattshirts.com and grab those right now. Support the show. Look at that model. Who is that? Who's that fuckable guy? That's me in a tinfoil hat t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm killing it. If you like black shirts and you're fat like me, you'll love these black shirts. Man, it really shaves off some of those tits you got rocking. So um, I love them. You can get them all the different things. Thank you guys so much. Uh, join me, a packed house, a returning champion. 
I've been on his show a couple times. He's doing a live show all over the world. Uh, he's one of the best guys in the game. His YouTube channel is, if you want news, I say go to his YouTube channel. Please welcome to the show, Jimmy Dore. Hey, thanks for having me. It's Jimmy, fantastic. I love you. I owe you a huge apology. I feel <laughs> daggers. I know you're a busy man. I, am, I, I fucked up, but I'm here. You could join us for this. So I walked. I, I left an interview today where I was interviewing someone inside the Venezuelan embassy in D.C., which is under siege right now. I said, I have to go do something, <laughs> please. We're going to go talk about Julian Assange. It's very important we get this message out. And I walked in here, and Sam says, it's next week, Jimmy. It's next week. And I thought it was my fault because I'm a stoner. But it turns out it is Sam's fault. Yeah, I, I, to be here I am full. Uh, dude, according to the Internet, I'm a real asshole, okay? Yeah. And I owe you an apology. <laughs> But no, I'm here. I'm here to do it. I'm, uh, my time will be f- served today, and I don't have to come back. It's like, no, it's you're like banned. How about this? You're banned. Okay, good. After this, you're fucking done. You're done. <laughs> go uh, go to the Jimmy Dore show. I Get your news there, Look man. Five, 550,000. We just cracked 550,000. Wow. Congratulations Whoa. to you, my friend. We're doing all right. I thought, and, I thought we were killing it. No, yeah, 50,000. <laughs> I'm excited about. Uh Joining us from another great podcast, Don't Die, right? Pretty simple. Yeah, it's a great, <laughs> it's a really good podcast. And we're here, to, we're going to talk a little opiate addiction, the whole, just the drug trade. Drug and the drugs that. everywhere. Bob Forrest, please welcome to show oh, Bob Forrest. Thank for you for coming me. down. Oh, you dude. do I'm, this fist pump with these other guys and you want to shake my hand? What the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, you know, I knew where I was coming to. I used to hang out at the comedy store. I know all the comedians in L.A. in the last 30 years, probably. And I yeah. remember you. And ev- I've been on, like, I've been on Burt's. I've been on, on probably 20 of them. And it is really, you guys should be giving money back to Mitzi's foundation. How, yeah. many, how many podcasts came out of the comedy store? Well, for sure. Amazing. For sure. For sure. Uh, you know, there's a reason why L.A. is the epicenter of podcasting. If you really look at all the big podcasts, they're all out of L.A. Oh, for sure. We were talking about it before the show. It's just like there's a bazillion white guys trying to make it in L.A. And there's only so many spots. So these guys who couldn't get in, weren't just the doors weren't opening, decide to make their own thing happen. You with your YouTube channel. I mean, I tell everybody, YouTube, your podcast, that is the Underground Railroad to freedom. It's to- the truth. Because it doesn't have to be condensed in three minutes. And if you fuck up a joke. Yeah. You know, a friend of mine's doing stand-up and he just... He he's working on a new bit and and he just went too far with this one thing. It's about me too, right? Yeah. I, I texted him like, dude, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. Dude, you need to soften that. And I gave him the. I call that Thursday night. There's no way to go back on what you just did an hour ago on stage on podcast. You can cover it up, covering up with a bunch of words, and nobody's listening for an hour and a half. Anyways, they'll forget what you said. Yeah. Well, I just I just say, what can I say? And then I go up there and I say it. <laughs> I think the rules of political correctness is just stupid. I well, think... I well, think there's, on. there's a documentary on comedy and, and Tommy Smothers, who, you know, they famously got fired because of the Nixons. They were on his enemies list. Comedians, right? They'll, still the last people still Always to tell the truth. Comedians. Always the people that tell the truth. And uh, they, it was a documentary on stand-up comedy. And he said, you know, if you give a telecomedian that there's a rule or something he can't do, he says that the first thing he's going to do if he's a real comedian is break that rule. Oh, yeah. And I just love that. I was just like, this is fantastic. I wish they would send this to every booker in the country. <laughs> you tell me there's a line, I'll snort that line. That's how I am. I don't – I just think it's ridiculous. I think that's a big problem right now why – you know – Jimmy, Jimmy did a show at the, the Dojo of Comedy. We're very blessed he does shows there. And he decided to put the show together in like four days. And you sold it out. Right. 
that is very hard to do. It was, you know, people, you know, my friends ask me, like you, my friends in comedy are like, Jimmy, what are you doing with the news over there? I'm like, I'm not really doing anything except telling the truth because the news media will never tell you the truth about war, foreign intervention, or never tell you the truth about the banks. The drug epidemic. They're not, they, 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 they aren't telling you the truth and they make it very easy. And I had this guy, Greg Palast on my, he's an award-winning uh, reporter from, he worked with the BBC and Rolling Stone. And he said, you know, you don't have to be a great investigative journalist. All you have to, or even be a bad one. He said, all you have to do is look down the street and report back. And that's not what they're doing because they're being paid to do the opposite. I mean, look at Phil Donahue was fired from MSNBC for telling the truth about the Iraq war. You think they would have him back on all the time because he got the Iraq war right? No, they don't want that guy back on. That's not what they're about. They're about selling bombs and selling newspapers and getting clicks, which is why Rachel Maddow hasn't apologized for pushing evidence-free red-baiting conspiracy theory for the last three years. None of them have. They've just moved on. It's WMDs all over again. They make it real easy for me because I'm one of the handful of guys who got Russiagate right, Venezuela right, Syria right, Libya right. It's not hard to do. You just have to look down the street and report back what's happening. And that's what the corporate media aren't going to do because they are owned and funded by the people they're supposed to be investigating and exposed. It's so deep, but man. When you're born and raised in a culture like I, I'm... I have my uh, kind of. I was arrested for solicitation to kill the president in 1992. <laughs> what? So I got oh, married the lead. How do I get a fist bump? So, so badass. The idea. No, but, explain how you were trying yeah, to do it, please. though. Yeah, yeah. you got to explain how you were trying to do that. I was just trying to inspire others to do it. I was a rock musician, and I went on stage, and I'd say, you know, if you do this. You know, I don't want to say it. Well, he yeah, just died recently, right, D- right. W. Bush, H.W. Yeah. So I said, you know, you'll be on the cover of Time and Newsweek. You will be more famous than Bruce Springsteen. Trust me, there's somebody out there. You're sleeping on somebody's couch. Your life is <laughs> fucking over. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so you some can't kids say that stuff. Some, you can't, dude. We're <laughs> all getting a knock. <laughs> so I was saying it every night on this tour, and for some reason or another, in Washington D.C., these two kids that came to the concert—it was my band, Thelonious Monster, and Soul Asylum. I don't know if you ever heard that band, but. Um, Two of the kids in the audience, parents worked in the Justice Department. Oh, And my they said God. over breakfast, you know, there was this guy last night at this really? concert saying that you, and they followed me around Secret Service and they took me into custody and I had to grand jury in front of the grand jury. They asked me all these questions like, what if somebody would have taken action on your request? I was like, oh, I would feel bad. And inside of it, like, I would feel like the most powerful rock star <laughs> oh in the world. <laughs> Now they'll, so, get, they'll visit so your the house. Point, the point being, though, that I grew up in a, in a progressive household where Howard Zinn was commonly quoted and talked about. The truth of America was commonly talked about. I've tried, now I work with 20-somethings and millennials, I've tried to educate them about the history of America. They don't really care. <laughs> no. They don't. That's the fucked up thing. Yeah. So that's no. why the news just gives them shit they want to swallow. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it, the people don't realize it goes back to 1996 when Bill Clinton passed the Telecommunications Act, yep. which got away, got rid of all the rules on media ownership. And used to be we had 50 giant media companies, and they were all pretty big already. Well, after the Telecommunications Act, now there's six. So every radio... Announced sh- on the five, right? Because yeah. didn't... Didn't Disney buy out Fox? Oh, right. Isn't Disney buying Fox? Now? Yeah. They had to give century? up their local... The big thing, that you got to <laughs> give up those local sports stations. <laughs> you own too much of the sports fucking message. Because that's what controls the culture. Right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess who's buying it? Ice Cube. <laughs> 
Can you really? believe that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, then you look into the Fuck whole... the police. I yeah, right? I thought, fuck the police. Now, <laughs> now, he, now he needs the police to, to protect his millions. <laughs> yeah. That's millions. weird, right? It's millions. That's two... pocket change. Yeah. yeah two guys from uh, NWA now are like billionaires. It's like shady shit, dude. Yeah, That's two weird. guys from NWA. I was just going to say that. Two guys from NWA are billionaires. You yeah. can't think be a... about that. You can't be a... Think about what happened in one generation. Yeah. So that's well, called co-opting. That's crazy. Right? That's, that's when the capitalists co-opt a message. <laughs> yes. That's that, what that's called, that's right? Ultimately, it. Yeah. yeah. So you're they're selling gangsterism, but you're becoming the fucking one, the one percent, zero zero point one percent, and now you actually rely on the system, and now he needs those cops to protect his yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it, dude. They yeah. were put there. We, I mean, like, That's and so we're gonna funny. get into the drug stuff right. because it the plays drug- in to the, the the gangster rap culture. We've done a ton of shows on it where it's like. You know, it's like I said this last week, and I'm going to say it about a lot of stuff. It's like black culture, what it is today, was not created by the black community. It was by very high-level lizard people who decided we're going to push this kind Jimmy of— Jimmy Iovine, his name is. Right? So you got these guys who, like, NWA got—you had all, all these great, like, uh, public enemy, all this, all this great rap, it was called, was, like, dominating. It was all positive stuff. They got pushed out. And pushed in was NWA, uh, uh, DMX. All these guys are pushing, shooting, gangbanging, uh, knocking up everybody. And that's all done on purpose because the people who own the prisons own the record label. And they own the drug trade, man. Right. And that's where we're at today. Well, I don't don't feel uh, comfortable talking about it. Black culture as a white guy. <laughs> I do. I grew up on it. I grew up on the I mean, whole thing. I, I did too. I was I was always ostracized because when I grew I grew up when there was that reaction to disco and so people hated. The, but I loved the black. I was in, into people like Teddy Pendergrass. That's yeah, how. Uh, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so I was back with that. And then and and when rap first started, I remember that. Right. So rappers delight and all that stuff. And I was into that. And so I was made fun of. I went to a Catholic high school anyway. But I still don't feel. <laughs> Talking about it because uh, you know I, I, I I'm not smart enough a to talk about it, but um, well, I, let's it is, talk about certain, the, let's talk about the white community. The white community. There's an old joke you can go back to 1996 where Chris Rock says that when the prescription drug epidemic comes along, I believe comedians are the truth tellers of the world. Thank you. There's no you don't need you need to listen to Lenny Bruce and George Carlin and Richard Pryor and you guys, not the fucking news, not bullshit. And media. Bill Hicks. Bill Bill Hicks. There you go. So. So Purdue started, started first direct-to-consumer marketing, which uh, if you're as old as me, I'm 58. I was watching the Bulls basketball game, 1986, 87, 88. This commercial comes on. It's a sexy gal spinning around a sundress in a you know, field full of flowers. I'm like, this is a new show I want to watch because I was into Dawson's Creek. I'm into any of that stuff. <laughs> right? And at the end, it says, could st- cause sterilization, vomiting, diarrhea, or death. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Wow. It was the first drug commercial I'd ever seen on television, direct-to-consumer marketing on television, which they didn't allow alcohol to be advertised, uh, but they allow prescription drugs that you amazing. need a, a written order from a doctor to get. Yes. The Sacklers and Purdue Pharmaceutical invented that. And then they came along and repackaged morphine in OxyContin, and then that's when the whole thing so, fucking comes slamming so, down. 
So right. I want to get into how what we just talked about. You're uncomfortable with it. I think everybody should be able to talk about everybody. Uh, we look at the crack epidemic, okay? Right. When we find out George Bush. Put him in jail. Execute him. You know, so, so the people. people oh, when it's white people. Oh, treatment. Yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> it's totally true. true. So we so we have the guys who are like shipping in the crack. Everybody, I mean, the Coke. Everybody's looking at the Florida. All it's white really people. coming through All Arkansas, white people. Right? So now you have the people shipping it in are the ones who's supposed to be protecting us from it. The, the the people who are selling it are the ones who are arresting us for buying it. And then the people who own the prisons are the ones who are doing everything. And that's correct. I think that's what we're seeing right now with heroin. I mean, with the with opiates. That we are protecting poppy fields in, in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. For sure. They're shipping it in. They're selling it to us. But I think this is what they did to the black but community with more, crack. They're doing it with heroin. Yeah, there's more people at the table now because there's so much profit and everybody knows it. And Chris's bit in the late 90s was, I think the white people saw how much money the black and brown people were making off of this fucking, off of drugs and said we gotta get the money, money back in the hands of the white people where it belongs. Yeah. That's what Purdue Pharmaceutical is. Makes no mistake. Oxycontin and heroin are the same same fucking thing. It's just a matter of how fast it hits your system and how long it stays in it. Really? That's the only so difference. I was lucky. I was never prescribed oxycontin or whatever any of those. I was yeah. only. I, I was always a Vicodin guy. Which Vicodin? Yeah, it is takes very a million mild. of them. Yeah. It takes a million. Very. <laughs> it, like compare. Like to me, it's very strong Vicodin because you can put a hole in my jaw and I can take a Vicodin and I won't feel it. Yeah. But uh, it didn't make me addicted. Like I took them for a while because I had a bone thing, and so for years I took Vicodin. But as soon as I didn't need them, I could. I walked right away from them. It didn't fuck me up. So I was just thankful that I never had a doctor. Why? Why a doctor? Did didn't prescribe me Oxycontin? I have no idea. But that's the thing that kills people. That gets you hooked. Well, what gets you hooked is hopelessness and helplessness. Yes. When you look at the opiate crisis, it's the Rust Belt. It's Trump land. It's yep. West Virginia where coal, coal jobs apparently There's are coming no jobs back. To those people. I, I, apparently, that's the hope of the future. Yeah. Ohio. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't we talk about jobs that are going to go away because of these, this, this Everything. thing? <laughs> well, that's a big part of it. I mean, if you look at jobs in like it's jobs urban, and multi-generational poverty where the biggest drug epidemics happen the one you're talking about in the urban areas and multi-generational poverty hopelessness and helplessness that's the crack epidemic this was the same thing in the white people's version of the of the hood yeah right and there's if you want to go all conspiracy you want to go all tinfoil hat hat. it's just (laughs) a thinning of the herd we got too many poor people. Extinction. Uh, extinction. You, will you go that call. far? Oh, yeah. Big time, oh, dude. Yeah, we go flat earth. <laughs> I mean, we're talking 5G here. Yeah. I mean, like, you see these towers going up when the 5G hits, man? They're already having problems. They put a 5G near Does it really school. matter that 72,000 poor people die every year in America off of OxyContin? Not really. Not to Purdue Pharmaceuticals, it doesn't. Not to powers that the structure that be, right? It'd be probably better if they were in prison so we could make a lot of money off them being institutionalized. But what can you do with poor people? What can you do, dude? I mean, like... You can raise them up. Yeah, for sure. And empower them. But it takes all of us standing together and saying, fuck this shit. Do you know what that would do to the prison labor system? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, dude. We have a prison labor system. That is the backbone of capitalism. It always has been prison labor. It started with slavery, and now it's just prisoners. Yeah. So they got the new Jim Crow. They got rid of that. Now, you know, we just we just take black and brown people. We put them in prison at a much, much higher, 16 to 1, I think, yeah. higher rates than white people committing the same crimes. So now we and then they put them to work for companies 
for free. They're slaves. It's the modern day so slavery. So when you tell your friends America is a racist society, what they say, no, not really. Isn't I'm not racist. <laughs> <laughs> like even, even Republicans admit that the criminal justice system is unbelievably racist. That's because Kushner's dad went to jail. That's and all. Then, <laughs> and then 50 of the people in there are all for drugs or nonviolent That's offenses. That's right. So you, so you make these, these drugs crimes yeah. these, uh, way worse than rape even, right? So you get caught with it. It's a good thing, you know, uh, if you get caught raping somebody, don't have a joint in your pocket because if you, you'll, get, you'll get a real sentence if you get a joint in your pocket. So it's, it's, uh, it's, that is really what's, so what's happening. Yeah, we live in a racist society. People don't realize it. Wait a minute. We had a black guy that was in charge of the Justice Department. <laughs> yeah, he came from Wall Street. It has nothing to do with race. and has everything to do with class. Yes, 100%. And that's what this opiate crisis was. It was a leveling of that white multi-generational poverty class. They were ripe. When you look at what Purdue did, they distributed millions and millions of doses of OxyContin into Huntington, West Virginia, Lakeside, Ohio. There There was enough OxyContin to kill the whole city of Huntington, West Virginia every month. (laughs) <laughs> because, and this is what Purdue's inside thing, and that's why I hope all of them go to jail, but I doubt they will, is they called it diverting. We understand that these bad addicts might divert some of this medication. Ah. They fucking knew. Diversion means sell it on the street. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way of saying. How do you think guns get into sh- <laughs> the bad access? Diversion. Uh, uh, there's a van there that just happens to be there full of guns. Why is it there? Because the people who sell the guns put the guns there. Yeah. It's the, it's the 100% done on purpose. So what do we do? That's a question people turn to me. Like, well, what do you start, do? Let's, let's start. Let's, let's unpackage this real quick. We're I think getting pot's to the solution. solution to the opiate crisis. We'll get into that. Know. I want to get into that. I want to get into that. So we did an episode earlier about how the basically the power structure of the United States was basically constructed by the opium dealing families. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look at all the Ivy League schools, they were all each one was started by a different Rothschild opium mm-hmm. thing. Like the Russells created. The Russells, who were a famous uh, opium-dealing family, worked with the British India Company. They created the skull and crossbones. So what they did was they created something that would give their children, their family, a head up on everybody. Everybody who graduates from the skull and crossbones basically got two, the equivalent of that time of $200,000 of today. Okay, That's like living in Saudi Arabia now. 100%. Awesome. So now that you got these guys, we create this... like. Our, our Supreme Court is all Yale and Harvard people. Right. It is – everybody – listen, it's a conspiracy thing. These people run the world. These people run it's, – it's not, dude. It's, Obama's entire cabinet came from a single email from Citicorp. This, is, this isn't a conspiracy theory. These are facts revealed by Julian Assange. Yes. Which is why they want to kill him. Yes. Which is uh, – I have a crazy theory for you too, though. We'll get into that later. But So basically, if you know in China – to deal drugs is a uh, capital offense. You Iran, get put, Iran too. Yeah, and there's very little drug problems there. And the reason, <laughs> and the reason that so is, if it's a disease, how does it get rectified by saying anybody that has it we kill, and then everyone else stops taking it? Well, the reason they did you understand, that, I don't think it's a disease. The British. Well, I mean, you can control people's behavior in a totalitarian system. That doesn't mean that there are. <laughs> you can't stop them from having cancer. The in American Medical Association says addiction is a disease, just like cancer. No, it's not, because if you held a gun to somebody's head and said, I'll kill you if you got cancer, they can't stop from having cancer. But you can stop people from doing drugs. I think drugs. it's an illness, not a disease. Yeah, it's like I a, think it's a different. It's I think it's I, an and illness the guy who struggle with drugs. I think I, it's, it's, a, an, it's an illness. It's a mental I, illness. Here's here's a way of looking at it. I think it's it's a disease of hopelessness and helplessness and inability. 
a lack of resiliency. So if you're like the ideas of Ice Cube, Ice Cube came from a little better better background, but Dr. Dre came from the hood in poverty. Right. Right? Look where he is now. Right. The the addict populations that you see in the Rust Belt and multi-generationally in the hood from the crack epidemic, they don't have that belief that good things are possible. Right. Right? So there's something inherent in that population that just gives up and just becomes, you know, it's dies systematic. Of it, yeah. It's a, the system so you're saying that they're, you're saying it's because they give up? That's why they're the I don't way think they are? They not even because have of s- a systemic strong... economic racism? Yes. Over... Yes. Well, that there's is, that machine that on top. Oh, okay. But why do only it. some people in that population get caught up in it? Some? Yeah. Two-thirds, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so say you t- what, why the other third See, rises up? It's the what exact, is it the difference? Well, no, it's not a third even. It's the exact opposite. They point to people like Obama or Dre, and they say, look, they did it, so why can't you? Well, that's, they're the fucking exception, right? The, most people can't do it, and that's the big lie of capitalism. And there is something that they basically agree to play ball. I of mean, there, there's a reason why Snoop Dogg is doing shows with Martha Stewart. You know, <laughs> she was a, he. You know, he was on trial for murder, and he got on. No one knew how he got off. Everyone's like, "How the everybody fuck forgot guy? he was on trial for murder." Too. And now he's hosting the Kids Choice Awards, I, and all this stuff is it's all systematically done. Yeah. They look at Snoop Dogg. They're like, "I want to be like." They find he's a role. He's a crip. He's all. It's like it's all done on purpose. And what I think. I think you were alluding to it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, in your mouth. But when you, when you say that people give up hope, like the crack epidemic was, let's get the male figure out of the family, lock them in jail. These mothers have to raise these kids by themselves, and there's no male authority, and it's just chaos. Decimate. And, and that's what's happening in the Here's white an interesting right thing. Now. If you want to go conspiracy route, I'm getting I'm getting the drift of where you're going. Where the crack epidemics happen? You ever been back there now? No. It's all gentrified. All northern Washington, D.C., all the Bronx. It's all gentrified. Maybe they just wanted those people out of there so, so they could raise the People say that. <laughs> Look at, what, he's getting excited. People say it's because of Flint. <laughs> they say that's the same thing. They want those people out of there. They want to turn Flint into, you know, condos and shit like that. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's, but that certainly makes sense. You know, it's very interesting. You remember that giant tower that built, that burned recently in uh, L- The Glenfield Tower? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to get all those people out. And they're like, okay, you know what, Hamu? Gone. They were told to stay in. Listen. Yeah, to I know. They told. They were to told stay to stay. Go I back know. in your apartments, man. When, when the, the building fire? was on yeah. yeah. fire. Yes, they were told to go back into the building. That's all about regentrification. Now, here's where I get weird. Well, wait a minute, though. You you had the same reaction I had. Like, somebody tells me to go back in the apartment when the building's on fire. Fuck no. you. Yeah. How, many fuck fire, you. How many fire drills did so, we have? Yeah. How many firewood drills did we have? And the first thing is get the fuck out. <laughs> That's the first thing I remember. Get the so fuck why out. Would, see, it's like sheep. That's yeah. what I'm well, saying. I mean, like, like, here's dude, the thing, dude. People aren't, people are, oh, people are so much dumber now. No, people are just, they're just, the brains are polluted with useless knowledge. Okay, so like Russian peasants of the 1500s weren't worried about like who Kim Kardashian's banging right now. They are (laughs) listen. Obama Jesus, you can't forget Jesus in all this, can you? No, I'm we're getting Jesus. (laughs) 
He was in no. Uh, I got in trouble last week for saying every time the church gets fucking busted, diddly kids, we burn down another church. Listen to me about the Catholic Church. Listen to me. First, we all know the pedophilism, and then the, the kind of debauchery that happened. Now they have nuns as sex slaves, and people still believe in this bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable to me. It's, well, it's kind of we are a we are a country <laughs> that's suffering from slaves. Stockholm syndrome. There's lots of comedians. Are you looking uh, who it up? Defend the religion. <laughs> what? There's lots of comedians who, in their act on on stage, I, defend, Bruce, defend, no, defend religion. Oh yeah, there's I, a million I, which is mind blowing to me. Like the whole point you become a comedian is because you want to be an outsider and you want to throw spitballs at the establishment. Why would you use your comedy to prop there up the fucking thing <laughs> that is a big group Sex thing? Slaves. Sex slaves, dude. And yeah. these people go there dude, and take a little wafer power and put it in their mouth. Corrupts. They it's put 100%. it in their mouth and they think it's the body it's a, of Jesus. And why? And the blood, and the blood. Yeah, man. I mean, so, dude, a transmutation, or that's the word. I grew up Catholic, and we were taught that that it doesn't um, symbolically become the body. It of blood. is the it body. It literally of becomes the body of Christ. Where did you There's go a, to school? I, I went Catholic in, in Chicago. I went here in Culver City at St. Augustine's, and I would my first time I got it, I took it out of my mouth, like looking at it, like it doesn't look like flesh to me. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't bleeding. And, and how gross! <laughs> Where, that they where's want, the blood? That it's, it's a cannibal cer- ceremony. It really yeah. is. It's great. It's, so, it's a death cult. The whole thing is a torture instrument. You walk in it all day. It's weird. It's a it's a whole weird thing. The, the Santa Claus is a weird thing. You ever look into Santa Claus? That's blackmail. Dog. Santa Claus comes from Denmark. Blackmail you. Hold on. Your parents blackmail you into acting good, and if you don't act good, this mystical creature comes and passes on you and gives all the other kids good toys. Do you know it's about blackmail. it? Do you and know everybody's about supposed the truth to agree. Of the yeah, root of it. Mushroom. There's these little black guys that go around with them. What? It started. Look that shit up. God damn, I gotta be a part of this show. I know all this. You're on. You're on. Look up. Because it's from uh, Holland, and there's this guy that comes with his black helpers. Oh, yeah, that's that. They got in big trouble for that. The actual story of Santa Claus is based on these Nordic countries and how the shaman, I do a joke about my act about how the shaman in the winter would come to your name. house on a, on a uh, sleigh and he'd enter because the snow was so high, he'd go through the window and he, you would be sitting in your living room. He'd eat the shrooms, trip balls. And the miracle of Christmas was this guy tripping balls in your living room. And I go, how much better would church be on shrooms? Because you know what you don't want to do on shrooms? Fuck kids. That's what you don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Ever try to jerk off while you're fucking on shrooms? It's like, we get a birdie. Like, Dead weight, bro. Actually, I, have you not? I've been on LSD at church. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Have you done no. LSD yeah. at church? I've, I've yeah. never done LSD. Ever? Oh, I was there for, I think, for hours. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I did um, mushrooms at my friend's memorial. It was Kevin, known as WeHo Jesus, and he had passed away. And I thought, what a great time to do shrooms and talk to God at the death of his gay son. So I went there. <laughs> I was just tripping balls at my friend's memorial. You know? I've, talk, I've taken mushrooms maybe three or four times. I love And them. that's it. I, I just, no acid? I, no, I'm afraid of acid. I'm afraid that something bad will happen to me. <laughs> My whole thing, if you want to commit suicide, all I ask is that, one, you don't do it, and two... Try shrooms. Just try shrooms. Before you're about to do whatever you do, eat some shrooms and just talk to God for a second. I, Dude, every time I've ever done shrooms. How much have you ate? Like a good amount? Like Nath? No. I mean, I don't go, I mean, I don't go that crazy. But the times I've done it, back in the past, I've always come out of it going, okay, everything's going to be all right. See, drugs used to be a, a rite of passage. 
for multi-generationally since they kind of came along in the rock and roll era. People took drugs and it was a rite of passage. Everybody did it. Everybody did shrooms. Everybody, even in my generation, took heroin. You didn't become addicted to it. There was only a certain part of the population that became addicted to it. But this opiate epidemic is different than that. The opiate population traditionally in America was three-tenths of one percent. Only, only three-tenths of one percent of the people were heroin addicts and then got on methadone. I was one of them. And I introduced every girlfriend I had to it, every person I knew. I was a big promoter hey, kid, of heroin. Hey, try this cool thing. I it's called it was, heroin. No, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And so you want to share that oh, with yeah. your friends. As soon as they got away from me, they didn't take it anymore. It, now, with this opiate crisis that started to happen in the new millennial, it's crazy how, how much a percentage Do you know what the, the percentage popular. is? Do you know what well, it, is? it went from – well, the overall addiction thing they believe now is 17 to 20 percent of the population are addicted to some Something? mind-altering drug. Right. That's and it a used lot. to be 5 to 8 percent. So it just more than doubled in 20 years. And I, I got to say, it can't be that – all of a sudden, all these genetically predisposed to a disease got exposed to it. It's something about our culture. It's something about poverty. It's something there's, about there's definitely something stress. to stress. It's something about anxiety. It's a, something about. Here's the thing. I was told because I'm a Gen X, or the beginning of Gen Xers. I was told I was never going to live as well as my parents. Right? Yeah. I was like, "Fuck you! Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'll eat them for fucking lunch." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You tell millennials they're not going to live as good as their parents. They just go, I know, I know. Like, what happened to the fuck okay, you? What go. happened to the antisocial Bob, kind of self-determination I that Americans were? Where did it go? Here's my theory, okay? This whole thing, helicopter moms, political correctness. Best friend parents. Dr. Seuss and his new parents. way of, or Dr. Spock, whatever his name is, on the new way to raise children. This is so diabolical. It is done on purpose. So when you get to the real world, you fracture because you've been told all this shit is going to happen. This is how the world works. And then you get into a den of vipers and it doesn't, you fracture. So what do you do? You start going to therapy, which I'm not saying therapy is bad. And then you get on prescription medication. Prescription drugs for anxiety. now everybody's on antidepressants because we're told if you are depressed, something's wrong with you. I take depression, anger, sadness, as my body, my spirits tell me, I got to mix shit up. I got to change it up because what I'm doing right now isn't right. What these kids are being told is they're perfect. Everything's great. And then they get to the real world and they're told, fuck you. You're, you don't know anything. And they can't take it. And now they're, got, now they're depressed because nothing they were told is real in the real world. And now they got to get on Let me give you an example of that. I do a medical lecture about the amygdala in the brain gets reprioritized from habitual use of drugs. It happens, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Pot just, even? Pot, pot, long-term pot. But really? less pot. I don't know. Alcohol. No, you, you understand. You, these are th- what is the top priority? Survival, uh, uh, safety, comfort, sex drive. Drugs start to reprioritize that. Right? Right. So it's a simple le- lecture. It's been around for 50 years, science. I'm doing the lecture at this rehab that I own out in Malibu, and the, a girl raises her hand, 19-year-old girl, and she goes, I just disagree with all that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 
I retorted. She's hot. She's I retorted in true punk rock fashion. Who gives a fuck what you think? Oh my god! She started crying. All the clients aligned against me. I thought they were going to beat me up. I had to leave the building and call my partner. I think I really fucked up tonight. No, that's the truth. I used to take. That's that mob mentality. Instead of saying, yeah, she's kind of a smart ass. Fuck her. Because everybody's trying they, to bang her, like, dude. oh, we got to rescue her. Oh, yeah, they might have been that. Yeah, too. they're all in the rehab. They're like, she's the only thing fucking happy here. Let me hit that shit. Well, I'll tell you, I think what the real disease of Americans is, uh, is that uh, we, have the, we don't have the ability to live in the present moment. We're constantly taught from the time we were a kid. Uh, to prepare for the next moment and the next day. And, you know, there's lots of different philosophers who talk. This isn't my theory. This is, I've heard Alan Watts talk about this and Eckhart Tolle talk about this. And it's like there's there's no point in making plans for the future if you're not able to live in the present. And we are not able to live in the present, right? So even when that thing comes that you've been waiting for, it feels empty yeah. because we are our brain isn't conditioned to know how to experience anything. We're only our brain is only conditioned to know how to prepare to to experience something. We're always supposed to be sacrificing the present moment for a better moment in the future, which all moments are equal because the only moment you ever have as the one that's right now right. there is no such thing I've as a future told, moment I've, and that's what causes anxiety I'm on three fucking blood pressure medicines <laughs> it's because I cannot not stop living in the future and I'm trying everything I can to figure out how to be more present how to not do that shit because that's the key to life and that's what psychedelics do by the way so they put you in touch with your senses right then. and they overwhelm you your senses so you become in that present moment and that's why you and that's where God is right that's when you transcend all that shit and you find out who you really are because you're not wrapped up in the present I mean you're not wrapped up in the future or the past you're right now which is why I love being a stand up comedian because the only time during the day when I am present is when I'm on stage yes. I'm not thinking about tomorrow I'm yesterday I'm thinking about right fucking now yes. and I come off stage feeling alive when I do my show in my garage for YouTube I come off feeling drained and I don't know why that is, but that's why I love live performing, and that's what I think. But that's the big problem, I think, with people is they're not able to live in the present moment, and all their pain is manufactured because of a, a story they tell themselves about a future moment in their head that's going to be unfavorable. It, it's, it, it's all mind gymnastic. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. I can't do it. Right, Well, right. cognitive behavioral therapy says, let's go back in time. Probably your whole life you had plans, and they didn't happen, but really good shit happened. Right? Why are we so caught up? And I got, I, I love this. Uh, the, I, I always say, I don't have a retirement plan because I'll be dead. Yeah, I'm just that's gonna, my like, plan. <laughs> I don't need, <laughs> you know, a million dollars because I'm just going to spend it until I die and then that's it. Yeah. Like, and my friends really are worried about me. They're like, dude, come on now. Don't joke around about that. Yeah. You're getting older. You yeah. got to think about this. <laughs> I got to do that. I'm going to work and then I'm going to die. Yeah. Like, how, I'm not going to live my whole life penny-pinching and not doing fun things and I buying records. More. Fuck you. And they're going to have a million dollars, live in Palm Springs, and sit around and look at, you know, look at the sun go down. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> I you know what I mean? But nothing I ever planned really worked out the way I thought it was. I became a singer in a band because a friend of mine said, we're going to start a band, and you're going to be the singer. No, I was, no, was going to be a journalist. I'm going to SC. He goes, ah, fuck that. Put that in the hole. <laughs> right? Greatest thing that ever happened to me. Right. Because I was going to go to school at U.S see in 1981 journalism was dying <laughs> my great plan was to go to sc work my ass off spend a bunch of my family's dough and then i'd be like millennials nowadays living back in my parents i was like oh shit yeah. no jobs yeah. so i came a rock i became a rock singer that led to being a drug counselor and led all this weird shit so any plans i had never worked out 
right? So There's don't be saying. so anxious that we have to plan for the future. Just embrace the fucking now and, and how crazy life is. There's a saying in AA, right? It's just basically, uh, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you've been in LA a long time, been in LA a long time. How many times have you seen your friends get everything they wanted and they're still fucking miserable? A friend of mine put a shotgun in his mouth and blew his head off. Yeah. I right? mean, dude, that's happiness crazy. isn't thing. You know what everyone thought when that Kurt Cobain killed himself, right? When all the friends of his and everybody who was a musician like I was and whatever and acquaintance with him thought yeah if i had that shit i wouldn't have done that it would be different if i got what he got no, do you, understand? You, you totally can't relate like that he's the greatest message that fame and money doesn't mean shit yes. if you're fucked up well let so, me tell you but something. every fucked up person i know including myself thought you know what if that would have happened to me i would have fucking dealt with that shit different <laughs> i would have i would have enjoyed well, it Jimmy, what? so that well the story is that never seems to sink into people is that if that's the so what happens to people is they always think well if I achieve this goal then I'll be happy so I'll sacrifice or whatever and I once I get this goal I'll be happy they reach the goal they're exactly the same yeah which exactly. is disillusioning and then so then, now they don't know what to do well I already have everything and that's when they start becoming drug addicts or that's when they start becoming sex addicts or and that's the yes, that's yes. the oldest fucking story in the world once someone gets everything and they still feel exactly the same external events did not change my mental condition conditioning and i'm still living for this moment that's not coming i don't know how to be here in the present yeah. moment and that's when a lot of people's turn to drugs that's smart a, but smart people make new goals right <laughs> you, but, then you, you, but at some time you, at some point you get burned out because those goals aren't satisfying because yeah, those are ego aren't. I, i've done it three times okay. i want to become a good musician yeah, but you're, that's you bob no, but i mean little yeah, time address no, but i mean you, you I'm, figure shit out <laughs> no but i'm gonna tell you how to do it have children late in life so I have an eight-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm 58. Like, I know what I'm doing from here on out. Yeah. Right? I didn't do it early on. Right? So there is something you can do to make but your see, focus the message of your is, life. And told them to that, dude. They're told, dude, there's people still getting married at 20 years old in this. And you're like, no one in your family? The, you know, here's the big thing. Which parent do Here's what I have a problem with. It's like feminism, right? I love feminism. But old feminists <laughs> lie to young feminists all the fucking time. When com young comics come to me and they go, hey, Sam, you got any advice? I tell them, listen, this is what I did, and I'm going to tell you what successful people did. And you figure out which path is best for you. <laughs> I tell them both of them. I'm a happy guy. I'm not perfect, but I'm a happy guy. I know dudes who are the fucking rich as fuck miserable and they did it this way i'm happy this is how i give them both sides we don't tell the earlier generation both sides of the uh, of the argument right we only give them the feel good it's gonna go good you know my cousin i remember when he got cut from his first team in high school and his dad was so sad I go that's the best thing that ever happened to him man it's great to learn failure early. i am blessed in my life that i got my dick kicked in in this town for the first fucking 18 years I was here. I've been here 20 years. The last two years have been good. The rest of it is just a fucking bunch of suits just <laughs> kicking my dick in for fucking 20 years. Right? But the blessings now is like when I take a loss, it does not affect me. I know people that have gotten everything they wanted and they take a loss and they don't know how to fucking handle it. We are lying to our kids. We're being told to lie to our kids that life is, the best life is a perfect life. And that's not a perfect life, dude. Life is real. Life has consequences man so that's why and it's all done on purpose man the way we raise our kids were basically told us by people who are paid by these pharmaceutical companies to raise these kids this way right. raise them to believe this this don't hit your kids and we don't you're like 
We don't think a smack, <laughs> but a fucking spank on the butt. That sent a, that sent us, but we got that demonized. Now, now all dads, dads are like they don't want to be the bad guy anymore. My dad came in and threw me across the room when I beat my brother up. Man, you're 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 an so awful this, father if you do that now. This theory of what's wrong with is that that people just don't aren't brutal enough with their kids. It's just a funny theory to me because I, I remember one time uh, not brutal. I think that's the wrong description. I think honest. He's describing honesty, really. So it's honest because I, I got you know we all got it. I got a fucking shit beat out of me, and it didn't make me a better person. I'm not saying. Be- I'm not saying that. That's not I went to what Catholic school. They hit me at school. I but come dude, home. My I mean, parents hit us at home. We go to the park. Fucking other people hit me. Right, I mean, we right, got fucking right, hit right, right. So, so I, I'm not saying that, Jimmy. I'm not well, saying I'll hit your you kids. What I'm, I'm saying is discipline. Like everybody getting the first place trophy. Yeah, that's just. Well, that's, I mean, we're that's leading like that. it into but just I like this, yeah. I do this with my children. Like my son come up to me and tell me something. I say, you know, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> you say that to an eight-year-old, they're like, "Whoa, that's fucking true." Yeah. It's the best thing ever. The best thing I ever learned you don't in have AA. To hit them. You just have to fuck with them. The best you thing I ever I learned in AA was that nobody's thinking about me. And yeah. it sounds like such a fucking lonely thing, that's the, that's but it's a, the best thing. I used to think there were shadow people out there trying to hold me back because I was so good. They didn't want Triple E to fucking get it. And when I got an AA and they made me do my list of shit, that I, all the resentments I had, what do they all have in common? I go, I don't know. You, motherfucker. <laughs> You're the one that's in the fucking... I go... Holy shit. And then I looked at my dad. And my dad, God bless him, not a perfect man, but went to war with everybody. And I remember even as a kid going, my dad go, Dad, you can't fight everybody. And then I go, I'm turning into my father. Right. Okay? That's because I'm blaming everybody for, and not looking at my role in shit. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying go and punch your kid in the face and all of a sudden you're a good parent. Right. But there's like, okay. dude, this notion that everybody wins and like, no, and that's if you're a bad not idea. winning, I, I think that's you're a losing. bad idea. And it's, you have to teach people how to accept failure, and failure will often. Uh, you know, give you the impetus to become better or do better. But I, what did you go to AA for? Was it for drinking? Dude, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm the reason why they started charging comics for drinks at the comedy store. Oh. I, w- I went really hard in the paint. I used to think that life was all about the greatest stories ever, right? Did you live in the sober living house up the street? No, behind dude, I've, I've never gone. I Didn't just, she? Ha- she had a sober living, Mitzi. Uh, no, but I, not when I was there. Oh, she okay. already moved on from that. She gave up on that. Yeah, she's like, I can't save you, motherfucker. <laughs> so what? So it was drinking, drinking, cocaine. Oh, cocaine's making a comeback. Co- co- cocaine hasn't gone anywhere. It's, They're just not telling you about uh, it. That's what I'm. I'm like, is anyone doing coke at the store? And they're like, yeah, everybody's on coke. And they've like, been really? doing it. <laughs> I never did coke. I mean, I did it like three times in college. But you know, it's just I had so many bad examples in my neighborhood growing up. Like everybody was either a cop or a criminal where I grew up, and. Uh, and you see the guys, the drug dealers, it's just like amazing. I would get up to go do brickwork at seven in the morning in the garage where we kept our shit. It was right across the street from this park that had a payphone before cell phones. And you'd see three or four guys standing around the payphone at like six, seven in the waiting morning. For every phone, call, waiting yeah. for a call because they're trying to get calm. Like, man, I'll never fucking be one of those guys. Thank God I didn't. Yeah. It's just, yeah, now it's bad. People, don't, I don't think people realize that cocaine is very dangerous. It's yes. very dangerous. You can Bemo now. Even yeah, more you can, dangerous. Yeah. You can just Bemo that shit straight. You don't uh, even got to go to the, you don't got to go to the ATM no more. You're just like, here. Yeah, uh, but they got fentanyl in them too. Yeah. Oh, and that comes from where? China. About, you hear about the, what the is that? Channel 5 News guy? What is fentanyl? Did you hear about oh, that? Oh, yeah. That story's oh my so God. sad, The guy what? thought he was doing meth. He was doing fentanyl. He what died. Is what is fentanyl? No, it's is like, that the story? Because yeah. I heard he did so much and the story's just nuts. 
Well, the story, story of what happened. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, that's a whole nother show. Uh, okay. There was a lot of sex involved in but all kinds of fentanyl. Mass But fisting. it was fentanyl. So fentanyl is... Fentanyl is fentanyl is a hundred times stronger than oxycontin. Whoa! Then there's a thing called carfentanyl that is a thousand times stronger than fentanyl. So a little granule can kill you. Oh wow! Uh, Like, and that's why where they break this stuff up. They were doing it in like crack motels, the old crack motels on Beach Boulevard in Huntington Beach. And the whole place, everybody died. The police responders came and they died. Really? They overdosed from coming in contact with it. Really? You haven't heard about this? No. Yeah. I've never heard it's that. It's called carfentanil. It's even stronger. They got, and they just, it's crazy because the opiate demand in America is so, so widespread and so desperate because. Uh, uh, we're, in the, we're in end stage capitalism. <laughs> yeah. The, the Chinese just started saying, we got this shit that's really strong. We should get it over there. Well, that's why I say there's a lot of people at the table. There's white, there's Wall Street. There's the, the gangs and crips and Hell's Angels ain't going anywhere. Now the Chinese are coming in. The Mexicans are in. El Chavo's in. El Chavo's right? a district manager. <laughs> yeah, right? That's all so they're want, all dude. at the table CIA. trying to distribute this hopeless hopelessness. That's what I, I, I really do believe we need hope and not in a corny way. Like I, I really was disappointed in Obama. I just thought he was the biggest disappointment. Hope in a real way where people love each other and mentor each mentor kids in your neighborhood. Right. My dad died when I was 15. Like three other guys stepped in. What the fuck happened to that yeah. world that well, we, we don't used get to ta- live in? We don't get taught that anymore. Well, I think you'll get sued. People are worried they'll get sued. Well, that's another point. <laughs> you know well, I mean? those guys, well, right now, those guys, those three guys who would step in are now working two or three jobs. Right. They don't have, they the, don't time have the time to, to do coach. that. And to that's coach. another thing that I think is a huge point. I mean, like, it's so, you realize, like, they got this thing thought so much, right? Pull, here's the plan. Pull Slave out labor. economics, right? Now you got no economics. Flood it with drugs, right? Where are, am I talking about fucking Inglewood? Or am I talking about upstate New York right now? Pull out the jobs. Flood the area with drugs. Get the dads hooked up. Pull the dads and the moms out of right. the family. Nobody's raising the kids anymore. Do you see that? And the, no, what's this? Carfentanil. So it goes from heroin <laughs> to fentanyl to carfentanil on like how much stronger, stronger. it is. Look at it. It's twice like as strong. How much power you need to get that high? Carfentanil is like crazy. There's like one dot in have there. Have you heard of why that why we have fentanyl? It's because that's how the Chinese are getting us back for the heroin epidemic. I'm sure. was telling us about about before the British. India Trade Company flooded China with heroin, and that's how they made all their money. They made so much money on selling opium in China, and that the, the, the emperor was like, enough, and he made it a f- capital punishment to sell. Well, wasn't there a thing called the Opium, opium Wars? Opium Wars, yeah. Yeah, 18, that's what this is all about. That's what he's talking about. Oh, okay. Every, like, dude, you know Vietnam was not about stopping communism? No, that's what Bill Maher says. <laughs> <laughs> it was about the poppy fields of Vietnam. No, Bill Maher's never wrong. Come on, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I mean, that's everything's based on drugs. I mean, I think people always fight over all this shit. I think the only thing that matters, I call it God, gold, oil, Drugs and sex trafficking are the biggest well, trillionaire money. Look makers. at Venezuela right now, right? So did did I didn't know until uh, recently that uh, Venezuela has twice the amount of oil that That's Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Arabia has. Oh, I, you didn't know what? That's why they're down there. And when I found That's, that out, I knew we had to bring democracy to their yeah, people. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, but the Russians and Chinese want to bring <laughs> pseudo capitalist communism to 
Yeah. Well, because it's either it's either they give in to the capitalists or they give in to the Chinese and the Russians. Like they're fucked either way right now. Oh, they're right? fucked. And so that right handsome now, dude's going to be the leader. Juan Guaido. <laughs> no, they banned him from. The they people, banned him. The people what? are not on the side. Yeah. Of, they, see, the internet happened. He and looks people, like Beto O'Rourke, doesn't he? He looks like the yes, Argentinian version yeah. of Beto O'Rourke. He yeah. Does. Beto but there's a, and people, what people don't realize is also I couldn't beat a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> I got, got, Ted Cruz made jokes about being a serial killer to be a more likable person. <laughs> so there's a legacy of colonialism in Venezuela, just like in the United right. States. We have a racism in Brazil, the United too. States. They, uh, yes, so they have it there, too. And right now, so the the people rose up in 98, and they elected their own person, right? Yeah. And ever since then, the capitalists have been – and they're all white. And they've been trying to fucking get it back. And so they did in 2002, kind of, for a little while. They pulled off a coup, short-lived. And so that's what this is all about. This is about capitalists trying to get the oil. And did you know that there's a, a refinery? So why do they want to build that Keystone Pipeline? So they want to take those dirty tar sands and they want to bring it down. Why? Because there's a refinery down there that refines that dirty fucking oil. And the only place they could get it before was from Venezuela. And Venezuela knew it. So they were charging them a premium for their oil, their dirty oil, because they knew they had him over a, a barrel yeah. because of the Keystone Pipeline wasn't getting but So that also has to do with why we're going into Venezuela right now. The American people have no idea what's going on. And I tell, they go, well, look at how the, they go, look how the people are poor. Look at how the people, I go, if you want to see poor people, look out your fucking window. Yeah. There's a tent city. If you wanted to help people, you don't have to go to another country or another fucking continent. There's more poor people in the United States than there are people in Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't <laughs> right. agree more, dude. Couldn't agree more. And when you don't play ball with the world banking system, they have a, they have a system intact to f- choke you out. And everyone's they're eating their pets. No, they're choking them out. Yeah. So for for instance, that UK since they won't give the oil to BP, uh, the UK won't give them their gold. The Venezuelans they have billions of dollars in gold. They just said fuck you. We're not giving it yeah. to you. Yeah. So that's how they're crippling them. And the and these the economic sanctions that the United States is putting on Venezuela is not there to bring democracy to the people. It's there for the same reason they put sanctions on every country. It's because we want to bring that country to its knees so we can topple their government and install a puppet, just like we did in Iran, just like we did in Iraq, just like Libya, just like we're trying to do in Syria, Afghanistan. Now we're doing it in Venezuela, Honduras. It's the oldest fucking story in the book, and they hired the exact guys to do it. Donald Trump said he was going to drain the swamp. He put Elliot yep. Abrams and John Bolton, the couldn't fucking more. couldn't be swampier motherfuckers in the world, literal war criminals. He put in his cabinet so they can go do this in Venezuela at the behest of oil companies. Yeah, right. and everybody wants to. I listen, dude. I'm a conspiracy and, theorist, and you know, saying Donald Trump is part of the the system, I, I could lose a ton of listeners, and I get it. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But dude. This is the exact same playbook that Bill Clinton had. I said it on your show. If you look at their administration, there's so many similarities. Dude, I, dude the whole FISA report, the whole wiretapping thing, I think that's all scripted, man. So, so Donald Trump came in the office, and he literally was a non-interventionist, and he was saying a lot of shit that pissed off the permanent state. People call it the deep state. I call it the permanent state, the people that are always there actually run our foreign policy, and he was getting reckless. He was going to fuck up their, for, or their regime change wars, and he was going to fuck up their, or their weapon sales, and they got his mind right, and that's what that dossier was. That dossier was them fucking, we're going to do this shit until you get your mind right, and Trump got his fucking mind right. Yeah. Dude, he 100 percent. There's book. been assassination attempts. His daughter, I mean, she's married to 
the Benedict Arnold of our generation. It's either John, John uh, Brennan or fucking Kushner are the biggest traders I've ever seen, ever. And it's just, they, dude, they're playing at problems. They had to land. They're like, dude, this is going to be the whole time you're here. And he's just, boom. So when he bombed Syria, that was the, his signal that he was starting to get his mind. Yeah, out. he's he's cooperating. That he is starting to go along, and so okay, maybe we'll have the Mueller report come out, and nobody will be indicted if you bomb the right people and you help us in Venezuela. That's exactly what's going on. I mean, it, this isn't a conspiracy. This is how this shit works. Ro- roll. I have the videotape of them selling us into the first Gulf War. Do you remember how they did that? They had the Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter and testify in front of Congress that the Iraqi soldiers were going into their hospitals and nurseries and taking babies out of cribs and throwing them on the floor and they were dying and that turned America America was against the first Gulf War until that happened and then it went it flipped and we invaded and so they got public support and it's the exact fucking same thing they're doing now same thing in Syria and the same thing in Syria they got some little girl who's seven years old who's tweeting in English and doesn't even have fucking internet access (laughs) it's just crazy right so the the exact oh he's gassing his own people as he's winning the war how come you guys this happened to me in 2001. I was obsessed with bin Laden. I read two books about him. I was just like, if you'll make a note, all these kind of radical guys are trust fund babies. Yes. Right? Oh, well, Carlos, Carlos, the, Carlos the Jackal was a trust fund. Che Guevara is a trust fund. Bin Laden's a trust fund. How is it that they come from the elite world? To cause all this havoc. They're controlled opposition, <laughs> they're, dude. They're done. Yeah, they exactly. They all play ball. Exactly. Okay, so here's a, a very interesting thing. On... Um, on the assassination of JFK, uh, George Bush was in Dallas. He denied that forever. All these documents were released, and it puts him right there in Dallas. On uh, 9-11, we'll say 9-10, the Bilderberg Group was holding a meeting in New York City. Do you know who they were celebrating? The guest of honor was the Bin Laden family. <laughs> Guess who was there? George Bush Sr. was there. And they were all there, just like they were for the assassination of JFK, to watch a big event that was about to go down. And who are the only people allowed to fly on 9-11? The Bin Laden family. If you don't think this is all... Like, dude, when he said the JFK, that was a big... That was a coup, dog. That was a coup, and that was the starting of down this, this road we're in right now that everybody thinks is permanent. I'd like to think that... Hope against hope that there's a chance it's going to stay, but this is all done on purpose. Someone just put out, dude. There's this video out there that every president except for one is related. Everybody they ran against was an eight, they, their eighth cousin. They're all related, dude. They're all related. <laughs> You're getting excited. That's all I do. I yell on this show. But but what I'm saying is, after 9/11, all my friends wanted to bomb the Middle East. Like these are liberal rock musicians and screenwriters. I'm like, what the fuck is right? going on around Isn't that me? Weird. This is madness. I decided to just opt out and care about my town. I'm not an American. I'm a Los Angelian. I yeah. was born here. This is where I care about the kids in Watts. I care about the kids in Echo Park. I care about people in Claremont. I care about my neighbors. That's fucking it. Yeah. The rest of the shit can go up like a brick shit house. I, I don't care. It is. And that, that's the truth. And I started focusing in AA on people that I knew and try to help them get sober and just. And when you're purposeful and changing things around you, yes, the rest of the world can be what it what I believe it is. And I I know this is going a little mad, batty today, but I believe that we're right about fifty percent of this. That it's absolutely spot on. It's a conspiracy. It's crossing skull and crossbones. It's the Bushes. It's the Clintons. It's a it's a conspiracy. But within the conspiracy, they're not controlling me. I can live my independent life around the people that I can influence and help. And that's what I try to do. It, you know, that, that really works for me. 
Because I don't even I don't watch the news. I don't care about the news. Yeah, I well, you're I don't. You're smart. I mean, when they say the plane's going down, what do they say? Say, put on your oxygen mask first before you help anybody else. You have to take care of yourself before you can help those around you. And that's just the truth, man. I mean, like, I can get really depressed when I look around at, like, everything going on. We're bombing the fuck out of everybody. We are, we are the new Nazis, man. And there's going to be a time to pay for that, man. I, it's like, it's going to be a time where the story will be written about the United States and how we terrorize the rest of the world. And people don't want to think about that because we get sold. I'm pretty sure in Nazi Germany, they were being told the same thing. We are going to go liberate everybody from the Rothschilds. We're going to do all this shit. It's just fine. You know, Israel. Everybody gets mad at Israel. I guarantee you the propaganda going on in Israel. Because Israel's just from L.A. down to San Diego. And That's the amount of money that gets pumped, pumped into there. And the, just the message of propaganda is uh, these people hate you. Everybody hates you. The fuck, the, the fucking Palestinians hate you. Hey, blah, blah, blah. It's easy to demonize. I mean, you talk to Israel. They're like, fucking Palestinians are dog. Because they've been indoctrinated into this way of thinking. The same thing with us, where we hated all these Muslims. So when do you think? So it, there's no doubt. It's, and it's amazing the, the, the magic trick they pulled off. Um, you know, uh, 18 hijackers funded by Saudi Arabia. Went which to is a our... strip joint. They went to a strip joint the <laughs> night before. Which and used their credit to... card, by the way. They... <laughs> You're going to die. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, so they, they do this. And now we're spending $715 billion a year to bomb the world. And what's, what's amazing to me in the amazing point Amazing investment. Amazing, right. I mean, we're ending, we're going to end the same way all empires end is we overextend ourselves militarily. And that's exactly what, well, while people at home are dying on, on, uh, uh, you know, Oxycontin and heroin because they got no jobs here. And, and, you know, the guy who Jack Ma, who runs the uh, Alibaba, which is the Amazon for Asia. And he said, you know, it's funny to watch Americans get angry at China. He says, this isn't our system. This is your system. You're the ones who decided to out outsource all your jobs to our country. We didn't make you do that. Nobody you... wants to claim responsibility yeah. for that nowadays, yeah. I noticed. Oh, he said, <laughs> and he said, he said, imagine what your country would look like if said in the la last 20 years would you spend $15 trillion bombing people if you would have spent $15 trillion investing in your own people. That's what you're supposed to be doing with your money and the United States doesn't invest in their own people and now they want to blame the rest of the world just like they're blaming Russia. For, I'm hey, Russia, he would be that honest. He was. So. Russia, didn't, Russia didn't make 80% of workers in the United States live pay paycheck to paycheck. Russia didn't make 30 million Americans not have health care in America. And that's why you got fucking Donald Trump. It's got nothing to do with Russia. That is another big smokescreen, just like every other bullshit smokescreen. We got to go WMDs. Is, is Russiagate is the new WMDs. And it's a distraction from people's real problems. And my question is, they don't even they don't even talk about the yellow vest here in the United States. So it's going on six months of nonstop rioting in France. And they already have health care. And they already have free college and dental. And they're fucking rioting. What, so at some point it's going to happen in the United States where you ain't got no when you got nothing you got nothing to lose and that shit is coming soon because when I get on stage in fucking Burbank California which is not Hollywood by the way Burbank California is where they play Bill O'Reilly's tour on video when he comes to the movie theater okay so in Burbank California and I talk about this shit on stage and those people are standing up for me right now those
those aren't people who listen to my show. I go on a Saturday night. They don't know I'm coming. And I get in there and I go, they don't think you need it. You should have health care. And people start fucking screaming. And I go, the guy who runs Starbucks right now is going to run for president because he's a billionaire who tells you you can't have health care. I go, why is it every other industrialized country has figured out how to give each other health care? And they also figured out how to make better fucking coffee than Starbucks. <laughs> Something about countries that give their people health care. They don't have to add pumpkin spice to their fucking coffee. <laughs> and when I say this in Burbank, people get up on their feet. And when it used to be when I would make fun of Obama, people would look at me like I was stabbing Santa Claus. Right. But now they're starting to get it. Now they're starting. I go, you know, it used to be, you know, when everybody got mad at Trump, because when Barack Obama was president, there was this big gap between what Barack Obama was doing and what people thought he was doing. Yeah. And now when Trump is president, there's no gap. People know exactly what the government is doing, right? And, but So like when, when Trump banned all the Muslims at the airport, people got upset. They're like, you can't ban them at the airport. I go, why do you think there's refugee Muslims at the airport? Because Barack Obama bombed them for eight fucking years. Yes. What does he have to do? Bomb them at the airport for you yeah. people to notice? <laughs> and when I get to that point in the fucking show, people stand up and start cheering. They're fucking getting it yeah. now. Yeah. And I go, you yeah. know, they say, oh, but look at the, Trump's putting those the immigrants in cages. Barack Obama built those cages. Trump is gassing the immigrants at the border. So did Barack Obama gas the immigrants, and they should be honored that they were gassed by the lesser of two evils. Yes, yes. <laughs> look at Mexicans, dude. Do you think they want to come here, dude? No. They love living in Mexico. We've just destabilized that place with the drug war. With the drug war, for We've sure. We've done it, man. And when I say we're the new Nazis, we're the new Nazis. And there's going to be a day... That we're going to pay for this because, you know, it's the old saying, like, uh, uh, what's it? Atrocities happen when good men say nothing. Is that, uh, I, I butchered that. But basically, dude, yeah. everybody's. Uh, like, All it takes for evil to persist is for good men to do nothing. Yeah. And that's why I shout because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, go, I tried. I tried. You called me a crazy fucking person, <laughs> but I fucking tried to tell you all of this was going on. People would tell me when I would go to comedy clubs and uh, Russiagate was happening, i go, well, when the Mueller report comes out, there's going to be nobody indicted because Russia didn't have anything to do with this. And they go, how do you know that? Well, because I interviewed the top codebreaker from the NSA, Bill Binney, who they tried to put in fucking prison for telling the truth about the crimes that are being committed by the NSA. That's how. Because if that fucking happened, if Russia hacked into the DNC server, there would be receipts. They would have the evidence because the NSA have a copy of every fucking thing that happens on the internet. And the fact that they didn't reveal that shows that that didn't happen because it, they don't have the evidence. So I knew that. And now after the point, I saw Flip Schultz the other night. He's like, you know, remember you were saying that about how the, he goes, you were right. I look fucking right. I was right. I came on your show. I told you Carter Page was a plant. I told you fucking. Dude, they yeah. couldn't even get Carter fucking Page. Yeah. They couldn't even get Carter Page. Yeah, dude. It's all theater, bro. It's all. I think it's all theater. Do you remember? Carter the, Page is from the comedy store in the late 90s. I remember him, too. <laughs> Papadopoulos. Not one of those stupid motherfuckers. Do you know how bad it was that after Trump won the election, uh, fucking Putin asked somebody, how do we get a hold of them? They didn't even know how to fucking. They didn't have a contact. Nobody. They were so not in contact with the... Anyway, so that's just the world we're living in now, right? So Chris Hedges wrote a book called America, the Farewell Tour, and he went from city to city where capitalism has pulled the rug out from underneath people, meaning like you go to Rockford, Illinois, and so as soon as the big employer decides to take his company to Mexico, everybody's fucked. And what do they do? They build a bigger prison. That's yep. exactly what they fucking did. And they flooded did. with they, drugs. And they did that in Flint. They did that in Rock... They're doing it every... All, that's what's, this is what's... And now municipalities, instead of taxing people and taxing corporate... They're starting to sell off the things that 
sustained capitalism, which is their fucking infrastructure, which is their waterworks yeah. and sewer systems and all that and the power, all that shit. And so now this is what's happening is what Mark said is capitalism is now eating itself. It's now eating the thing that sustains it. And we're just about the end of the empire. It's happening. It's coming quickly. Yeah. But not just America. Amer- capitalism as a whole. It's failing it, worldwide. There, there's no, I don't believe there's nations. I believe like John Lennon. Imagine there's no countries. There are no countries. There's just corporations and there's con- there's kind of families and there's relationships. Uh, someone sounds like those. they wear a tinfoil hat. Huh? <laughs> well, this is That's what Howard Beale. Howard, who, who told us this in uh, in what was that movie? Oh, no, network. network, network. There are there are no co- yeah, countries. Yeah, it was in 1976, dude. So how prescient Think about that, yeah, dude. You know, and they guess fighting with each other. You know, I, I got in a lot of trouble after Roseanne put out that stupid tweet. And it was a stupid tweet. What tweet? About the uh, Planet of the Apes. That was a right? Xanax. That was a Xanax yeah, but tweet. It's, it, it's stupid. <laughs> but the woman she did the tweet about was a huge part of the decision to assassinate Muammar Gaddafi, which led to open-air slave trades. And I go, you guys are defending a woman that is part of a decision that has... Africans being sold for $400, okay? And I got murdered for that. I just got in, thrown in Twitter jail because they put a vi- there was a video of this black midget beating this woman with a belt. And I go, if I was there, I would have curb stomped that midget. And they said what I would do was inciting riot and being disrespectful. I'm talking about the guy who's beating a woman in a video, right? Now we're getting to the point where words are worse than actions. Right, and that's all well, is it, part. But it's of the, the two system. teams. It's the two teams. Sports does play into all this. People like rooting for a team. They like rooting for a president. Obama's my guy. Trump is your guy. I don't like your guy. You like. It's like the, the playoffs, the basketball playoffs, and now it's it's fascism, which I believe is code word for Democrats. It's fascism. You can't say things. You have to say things the right way, or. Oligarchy, <laughs> like Republicans are like. Well, the problem is, so you got a choice between being a serf or or being executed for saying the wrong thing. Here's the problem. Welcome man. to America. Um, <laughs> the problem is this: the people are telling us that we can't say this, can't say that. These are the trust fund kids of the fucking oligarchy. Okay. Same things happened in Israel. Where's the liberal part of Israel? Got drowned out, got ran out, got hijacked. The, the liberalism has been hijacked by the fucking children of the people who have created all the problems. Right, I can get that. Let me, let me, I, try, I say this on my show a lot. I think it's worth saying at the end here is that if you think about this, the Democratic leadership, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they are to the right of Trump voters. They are not the left. They are corporatist fascists because Nancy Pelosi is not for Medicare for all. Republicans are for single payer, the majority. They are also for a Green New Deal. They're, so they, they're also for ending the wars. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi are literally to the right politically thinking than Trump voters. Not Trump, because Trump is getting his mind right, but they're to the right of Trump supporters. Think about how fucked up that is, and now you understand why 80% of the workers in America live paycheck to paycheck. Right? You know, liberalism hasn't destroyed this country. Greed has destroyed this country. Greed. Not enough dollars. Not enough dollars. You can't have all that. Dude, if they brought back all the jobs, people would be able to buy more stuff. And Daikuna. Guys, it's been a great show. I appreciate you both coming on. Thanks for having me. I'd love to have you back. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. I'm sorry about the Even if it was a mix-up, it worked out. It was a lot of fun. It was great. XG, thank you guys (laughs) so much. I appreciate everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye.